Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, good morning, Connect Church. I tell you what, I hope you are happy uh, to be here today. We exchanged the 85-degree weather of Destin, Florida for this morning here in Tennessee. And I tell you what, it is still so good uh, to be home. And I'm so grateful Pastor David did an incredible job last week as he preached in our, our happy series. And he talked about, man, a pretty difficult part of the text, but did an incredible job. Let's thank Pastor David one more time for standing in the gap last week. He did a great job. And it is so good to be home. And whether you're here physically or maybe you are driving on I-65 South somewhere out there and you're stuck on the road, we are so glad. We are so happy that you are here with us today. I want to say this. I love the book of Philippians. I don't know if you could tell, 20 plus messages into this book, but man, I love the book of Philippians. I love the theme that weaves its way throughout the entirety of this book, and that is the very theme of joy. Known as the happiest book of the Bible, today we continue to study the book of Philippians. And here's what I love about it. As Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, remember his context. Remember his surrounding. He's in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's in chains. In fact, every day he faced the reality of his very own execution, his own death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you think about Paul's situation, you think about his context, he is in an unthinkable situation. Really an unimaginable situation for him. An unwanted situation for Paul. And yet what we find throughout this whole book of Philippians is we find that Paul has an unstoppable joy. He takes part in, he enjoys, and he writes about an unstoppable joy. Always points people to the joy in Jesus as he writes this book. And so today, I want us to talk about this together. I want us to camp out here. You ready? How is it that you and I can have an unstoppable joy even when the unthinkable happens? How is it that we can have an unstoppable joy when the unimaginable, when the unwanted things happen in our lives? Now, let me ask you this. As you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, how many of y'all know that this world we live in is a little crazy? Anybody ever just seen some of the craziness of the world? And we just live in a crazy world at times. I remember one of these crazy moments I had. Uh, my father-in-law, his name is Eric. They live in the same neighborhood uh, that, that we live in. And um, in fact, Stacy, one of my neighbors, is here. Melinda's here. There's a lot of us. Dana's back there. Zach's living in our neighborhood now. I'll never forget a couple years ago, we just returned from Alabama. And uh, we had gone and seen family there for one of the holidays. And, and so all the kids were asleep. Uh, the wives were asleep, and so Eric and I, we arrive home in our neighborhood, and we start unpacking everybody, carrying the kids to bed, carrying the wives to bed, right? Carrying in all the luggage and all that good stuff. Well, Eric was inside, and I was still unloading the van, and I'll never forget it. Middle of the morning, darkest could be quiet night, and from his neighbor's house in front of him, I hear this, Eric. Church, I died inside. I, I just remember standing there going, what's happened to him? Right? Like, something bad's happening over at the neighbor's house. And he's calling out in the middle of the morning in this darkness with his terrifying voice. Like, he, he's dead, right? Like, so, something's wrong with him. 
And so, so I hear and I stop for a minute. I regroup. I try to get strong again. And, and there again, I hear it. Eric. Again inside. I just, I was like, what, what has happened? So I run inside. I said, Eric, you got to come out here. Your neighbor's calling for you. Something's bad wrong. And so Eric comes running out of the garage, and, and we start to run down the driveway. Now, listen, let me just remind you, I don't run, but I was convinced that something bad was going on with his neighbor. And so we start running down the driveway, and as we do, uh, we, uh, we both hear it. Eric, right there, he starts going, hey, James, James, are you okay? James, you all right, buddy? What can we do to help you? What's going on? And we get to the end of the driveway, and we look in his yard, and his porch, he's not there. Guys, I'm going to tell you, we're like, what, what is going on here? Well, all of a sudden, we hear it one last time. Eric! And, and we, just, we can't figure it out. Until we looked on top of the roof. And there was an old crow up there. And do you know that that night, we ran down the driveway to save a neighbor, and it turned out to be a stupid bird that was crowing on top of that roof that sounded just like my father-in-law said. And we stood there at the base of the driveway, and I looked at Eric and said, we don't ever talk about this to anybody, right? Like we, we don't ever say anything about this again. I mean, we just laughed, and we laughed in that moment. You know, this, this world is crazy. You know what I used to think? Talking birds were crazy. And then I lived in the year 2020. And I realized that maybe one of the more sane things in all of this life are talking birds on a roof compared to what we've seen in 2020. Think of how crazy the world is. From pandemics to presidential elections to pandemonium in some of our city streets. And you go, man, this is a crazy world we live in. And how is it that any believer can have an unstoppable joy even when the unthinkable happens? You know, I look at Philippians chapter 4, and if you have your Bibles there, listen to what the Paul writes to the church. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, and beginning in verse 4, he says this to the church. And more than just writing, he commands the church this. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Look at his words. The Lord is near. So in the midst of a crazy world, in the midst of what the Philippians were going through, Paul writes this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now let me frame up this passage for you. David did a great job last week. But, but you have two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche. They're fighting in this church. And so what we find in the Philippian church is that there is fussing and there's fighting. There's disagreement. There's division. There is hurting and hurt going on in the life of this body. And Paul pleads with these two ladies. Hey, hey ladies, listen. I plead with you. Stop fussing. Move forward in faith and become friends in Christ again. You know what Paul does? Is he introduces a remedy far greater than revenge. Paul begins to promote in this type of situation a cure that is far greater than discord. A healing that is far greater than hatred for these two ladies. You ready? Joy and rejoicing. Now let me remind you of something. You ready? Joy is the default position in the life of a believer. It is a joy that we find in Christ that is uninterrupted. It is unconventional. It is unimpeded. A joy that is underrated, unending, and unstoppable. 
because of Jesus. It is a joy that for us must be conscious, continual, a joy that we find is courageous and contagious at the same time. But the question still comes, as Paul writes these verses, can you and I really have an unstoppable joy when the unthinkable happens in life? Can you and I have an unstoppable joy when the unimaginable, the unwanted happens to us? Well, I believe in this passage today we're going to find the answer to just that. How do we have an unstoppable joy? Even when the unthinkable happens, you ready? We must realize the source of this unstoppable joy. What is the source of unstoppable joy? Now, Paul writes to Philippians, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Know what he didn't write in verse 4. And what I'm grateful he didn't write, you ready? He didn't say rejoice always. Guys, hear me. The expectation of Scripture is not for you to be happy about anything and everything. The, the expectation of Scripture is not for you just to, to randomly rejoice always about everything. But he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. That is an important distinction. That is a very important difference here because hear me, no one can rejoice always about everything. And we shouldn't. But we can rejoice in the Lord. Always. You know, I've never seen a believer who's diagnosed with cancer who ever rejoiced that they had cancer. But I sure have seen believers who've rejoiced in the Lord as they battle cancer. You know, I've never seen a believer rejoice in the Lord when they've laid someone they love to rest. But you know what? I've always seen believers. Listen, they, they, they don't rejoice in the fact that their loved one is gone and the brokenness in their hearts. But you know what? I sure see believers who know what it is to learn to rejoice in the Lord even though their hearts are broken as they lay their loved one to rest in Christ. You know what? I don't see believers rejoice in the fact that they're hurting or they're brokenhearted, but I see them rejoice in the Lord as God begins to bring healing into their life and begins to take what is broken and make it whole again. Paul is not calling the church to rejoice always in everything. But to rejoice in the Lord, the very real source of all great joy, to rejoice in the Lord, always. Um, I love the story of Fanny Crosby. And you may not know that name and probably won't name your kid that, but listen, she got a great story. Lived a long life and has an incredible testimony. In fact, she would be responsible for hundreds of hymns that are beloved by the church even to this day and are sung in the church. So if you have any background in the church at all, you might recognize a couple of them. In fact, I've asked Zach to come and to help lead us out in a hymn that really is one of her most popular. And y'all tell me maybe if you recognize this. And hey, feel free uh, to sing a little bit along with him. Fanny Crosby, one of the hymns she wrote. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Sing with him if you know it. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, All right, let's sing it washed out, in his blood. This is my course. story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. 
praising my Savior all the day long. Isn't that that good? And what a great hymn she wrote, especially if you consider that at the age of six weeks old, a doctor applied a plaster to her eyes. And by that medical malpractice, blinded Fanny Crosby for the rest of her life. She would not know again what it is to see and have no memory of what she saw in the first six weeks of her life. And yet she's responsible for so many wonderful and joyful words of the Lord. Here, let me tell you something about Fanny. She never rejoiced alone in her blindness. But she always rejoiced in the Lord as she faced a world she could not see. You see, Jesus was at the center of her joy. Jesus was her greatest joy. And Fanny Crosby was the happiest she could be in this life because she knew the very source for joy in this life. And that source... Jesus. Hey, Christian, I want you to think of joy this way. You ready? Christian joy is not something we just feel. Rather, it is the deep down conviction, the confidence that God is in control of all things. And no matter what happens around us, in us, or to us, that God is at work in the life of the believer for his glory and for our good. The promise that Paul would write to churches in Rome in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, those who've been called according to His purpose. God is always at work for His glory. And God is at work for our good. A wonderful promise of God. Hey, you know what? Even when the unthinkable happens, even when the gift of sight is taken away at such a young age, when the unthinkable happens, we still have access to unstoppable joy in Jesus. Hey, can I ask you a question? What is the source of your joy? I can imagine some of you would say you love your job. I mean, like me, I love my wife and I love my kids. All the, all the, so much joy comes from my family. But, but let me ask you this. What is the, the greatest, the ultimate source of your joy. You know what? We all have a sin nature inside of us that tries to seek out joy everywhere we can find it but Jesus. Did you know that about yourself? We try to find joy in any and every other place but Jesus. And here's the problem with that search. That search will always leave us empty-handed and it'll also always leave us feeling simply empty. Empty. I want you to consider this. You ready? Solomon, King Solomon in the Old Testament who tried to find joy in his wealth, in women, in his worldly treasures, in his worldwide fame. And at the conclusion, once he gained all of it, listen to what he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 8. He says, I have amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all of my wisdom stayed with me. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure, he said. 
My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. In verse 11, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, listen to what he says. Everything was meaningless. Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Hey, listen, he had searched out joy anywhere and everywhere but in his relationship with God. And the summation of his life, when he had everything he ever wanted, was it was meaningless. Catch the emptiness in the heart of that king. The wisest man on the planet became a fool searching for joy outside of God. You know, I think of America, you've heard this statement, right? Money can't buy happiness, but I sure'd like to give it a try, right? Like, it can't buy happiness, but hey, let's give it a shot. But here's the problem. Is that sometimes, especially in the American dream, in the American society, we believe, man, if we just had more wealth and fame, that, that maybe, maybe we know what it is to be happy. Maybe we know what it is to have joy. I want us to talk about a couple of the richest people in American history at the turn of the last century. And I want you to listen to what they say about their search of joy and happiness in their wealth and fame. John D. Rockefeller, founder of the Standard Oil Company and the richest man in America at the time of his death, said this. He said this, I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Think of John Jacob Astor, America's first multimillionaire and the richest man in America at the time of his death on the famed or now infamous Titanic ship. Listen to what he was once quoted as saying. I am the most miserable man on earth. Of the Vanderbilt family, W.H. Vanderbilt said this, the care of hundreds of millions of dollars is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. Andrew Carnegie, another great family name in our nation's history. Millionaires, he said, seldom smile, and there's a reason. Think of old Henry Ford. Ford Motor Company guy himself would look at his power and his position and all his possessions and say this, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. You know, no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter how much stuff you have or don't have, no matter your fame, your reputation, or if anyone really knows you at all, we must recognize church. And we must never fail to realize that our source of joy, that our source of unstoppable joy is sourced, is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And you know what's amazing? I don't have to preach that too hard because you know that. If you've lived any bit of life at all, every one of us in this room have searched for joy outside of Jesus. And, and you know what the testimony of those times and those seasons have been? Meaningless. We've searched to be filled by joy only to find ourselves being terribly empty inside. Terribly empty. Hear me. Unstoppable joy recognizes, realizes that the source of such joy is found in one place, in one person, and his name is Jesus. Here's the second truth we uncover 
in what Paul writes today. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Hey, do you remember this phrase from your childhood? Maybe said by your mom. Don't make me say it again. Do, do, you, do you remember that? Does that cause some of you to fear just a little bit, right? Remember that phrase from your childhood? Long before timeouts and counting to three, these words were uttered by a mom who invoked your middle name, and honestly, the terror and the fear that filled, feared your heart was a real thing. You knew this. If mama had to say it again, there'd be bodies on the ground, right? Like something bad would happen, so you just didn't make mama say it again. Now, unlike the threats of our childhood, what we find Paul doing here is he gladly and purposely reiterates, he says it again, I'll say it again, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Guys, it's worth saying again. In, in Jesus, we have an unstoppable joy even when the unthinkable happens. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Peter and the apostles, they, they wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And so, man, they were creating a whole lot of trouble. Well, finally, they were arrested. And the Bible says that they were flogged. Now, now, let's just not blow past that. That means publicly and severely, they were beaten with rods. Man, they were beat up pretty bad. And yet, in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the next glimpse we get at them, listen to what the Bible says. That the apostles left the Sanhedrin... Rejoicing, Re rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering such punishment for the name of Jesus. That doesn't make sense. But you know what? Unstoppable joy never makes sense. How can you have joy after being publicly and severely beaten like they were? How could you have Joy when the unthinkable happened in their life. And yet, their joy is unstoppable. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks more about the Philippian church. And he would say this, that despite their deep poverty, as well as he would write, great trials of affliction that they had suffered. The Philippian church lived in what he coined as an abundance of joy because of Jesus. Hey, hear me. They didn't rejoice always about all things, but they always rejoiced in Jesus. Joy in Jesus was their strength. And I want you to hear me. When the joy of the Lord is your strength, your joy is unstoppable. Church, hear me. When the joy of the Lord is your strength, your joy is unstoppable. Nehemiah verse, or chapter 8, verse 10 reminds us is that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And let me ask you a question, church. Is the joy of the Lord really your strength? Do you know why I ask that? Because sometimes in my life it's not. Sometimes in my life I fall short of that goal. Because you know what? Sometimes I rely too much on my own strength for my joy. Hey, too much I rely on my own self, my own being strong or tough in situation to be my strength, only to come to the end of the day like Solomon and find out every bit of effort I put into it was meaningless and left me empty. Is his joy your strength? You know, Paul writes this, hey, hey church, rejoice in the Lord. 
Again, I say rejoice. And he says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. How weird is that? Gentleness. What does he mean by gentleness? You ready? Gentleness is when there is a joy that is on the inside and it is visible on the outside. Meaning this, that you are so full of the joy of Jesus, of unstoppable joy, no matter what you face, that not only do you have it on the inside, but man, people can see it on the outside of your life. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Paul writes the church. Hey, hear me. When Jesus is the source of our joy, when the joy of the Lord is our strength, then gentleness becomes that which defines us. Gentleness stands opposed to being harsh and hateful, cold and callous, mean or menacing, angry or apathetic. Goodness, steadiness is a byproduct. Gentleness, a byproduct of joy that is evident in the life of a believer. And it makes the message of the gospel effective as other people look into your life. Now, gentleness in this passage also carries with it in the Greek language this idea. The willing of someone to give up their rights for the sake of someone else. Now, now remember, we're talking to the Philippian church, a Roman colony, proud Roman citizens who had more rights than any other group of people on the face of the earth. And this idea of gentleness is one who would give up their rights and what was rightfully theirs for the sake of someone else. You know what that reminds me of? Well, the author of Hebrews, chapter 12, would teach us and remind us the very one the author of Hebrews would call us to fix our eyes on. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, who, watch this, listen to what Scripture says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Guys, this call the gentleness is this idea that the joy that we have in Jesus on the inside is apparent, is visible on the outside. Doesn't mean we always walk around and smile about every hard thing, unimaginable, unthinkable thing that goes on. But it means this, as people look in your lives, there's a joy that is in the Lord that is unshakable, that is un. Stoppable. He says this because the Lord is near. Now, coming off of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, remember that passage? But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Paul again reminds the church, hey, listen, Jesus is coming. Our home is not this earth. Guys, listen, and get, get it in your mind. We won't be here forever. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And Jesus is coming again. Now listen, Jesus is coming for me at the point I close my eyes in death, or Jesus is coming for his church. Either way, Jesus is coming, and he's near. So let your gentleness be evident to all. I want you to think of it this way. Um, weird illustration, but I promise it makes sense at the end, okay? Uh, on the screen here, we have a, a thermometer, and we have a thermostat. So let's talk the joy of the Lord. Now, here's what I want to bring out here. You ready? I want you to think of it this way, that the joy of Jesus, the joy in the Lord being our strength and the very source being Jesus is a thermostat, not a thermometer. So let me flesh this out a little bit for you. You ready? This thermometer here is very reactionary. 
It has no power source. But really what it does is it exists to react to what's going on around it. As the temperature rises, so does that little red mercury. As it falls, so too does that red line. It's very actionary instrument. Whereas, and in contrast to, a thermostat, which has a power source and remains constant and steady. Think about it. And you got a good thermostat on your wall. You set it to a certain temperature. Me at night, 52 degrees, right? You set it at 52 degrees. No matter the temperature uh, that's going on outside of the house, that room's always going to stay 52 degrees because it has a power source and a thermostat remains constant and steady, unlike the reactionary thermometer. Here's the takeaway, believer. You ready? When the joy of the Lord is our strength, our joy remains constant and steady like a thermostat despite what's going on around us. But hear me. When the joy of the Lord is not our strength, and we try to do everything in our own strength, in our own power, and here's what we find with happiness and joy, is that it operates just like a thermometer. There's no power source. Our happiness and joy rises when things are good and plummets when things are bad. And that's how God never intended our joy to be. So you ready? A weird challenge. Christian, be more like a thermostat. Doesn't preach well, but be a thermostat. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and the joy of the Lord is the very source for joy and happiness in this life. Well, you say, well, Anthony, here's the deal. That's easy for you to say, but what happens when the unthinkable happens? And listen, I am preaching in front of a people in a room where many, if not most of you, have faced the unthinkable in life. The unimaginable. The unwanted. You know what? I have two. And what's amazing is when you preach a message like this, I don't have to know all your stories. I just know those things are in your story. All of you have faced it. And how is it that I can have a joy that is steady? How can I be a thermostat when so much is going on around? When the unwanted, the unimaginable, the unthinkable happens in my life, let me remind you, believer, that you too have a source of power. That you have the thermostat of all thermostats living in you. As the author of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 13a, that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. How do I have an unstoppable joy? Well, it's in moments when the unthinkable happens and in moments of sobriety of our mind that we remember that the Jesus living in us is the very one who sets the temperature for our life. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same on November 4th. He's the same when I'm on my deathbed. He's the same forever. Church, hear me, you ready? When your joy and my joy is sourced alone in Jesus, when the joy of the Lord is our strength, your joy is unstoppable, even if the unimaginable, the unthinkable, the unwanted happens in life. Think of it. Don't just trust me. How about the guy riding? Riding in chains, under arrest, 
wondering at sunup the next day if his execution will be set by Roman officials and he would die for his faith. A man who was facing the unthinkable as he wrote the happiest book of the Bible. Uh, this past week, um, I was in Destin, Florida. Pastor Justin and his family, our family, kind of vacationed together. I, in fact, well, Leslie, we, were, we drove past your guys' place where you guys were. I wish I know we'd waved at you. We took a, a deep sea fishing trip the last day on Friday. Man, I'm going to tell you what. It was awesome. Me and Pastor Justin were on the small center console boat. We went out in the waters. And here's what we knew. On Friday, there was a, there was a cold front that was coming through, but we thought we could beat it. So we went out there and literally church, quoting scripture like crazy. We were catching fish. In three hours, we caught anywhere between 50 and 60 fish, all right? Now, by this afternoon, that'll be 100 to 120, and uh, they were all 700 pounds. Anyway, we caught a ton of fish. It was incredible. We had a captain, I don't believe knows the Lord, so we were able to share the gospel. He had some really tough questions. Shared the gospel with him on the way out. It was just a perfect day. We're out there fishing, catching fish every time we drop the line. Well, then all of a sudden we look, and over the beach is the, is the cold front. And we watched that thing move in. Well, it came in, and I'll tell you what, what was a calm ocean where we were began to become choppy. Our captain gets on the radio, hey, guys, we have white caps coming in. And then the next thing we know, we are fishing in two to three foot seas, which for that tiny boat was challenging. And I'm telling you, it was throwing us everywhere, so much so, the captain's like, fellas, we got to call this thing short. But we got to go back to shore. And he goes, guys, it is going to beat us up to get back to shore. Do you know what our response was? That's so cool. And then, listen, man, that's exciting. And he's like, y'all are crazy. He said, man, all we're used to is a pontoon boat on Douglas. We need, we need to see some waves, right? And so we start going back and listen, I'm going to tell you something. The boat beat us up. I had to take prescription strength ibuprofen before preaching it. I feel like I'm still beat up. But here's what was happening. He was driving, and the boat was running up in the air, smashing on the ground. We were getting covered in water. And every time the big waves hit, he would look back at us, and we're holding on going, man, that's awesome. That is so cool. And he kept going, y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. And he would drive us in. Well, finally, we get close to shore, and, and the waves begin to calm down because we're closer in land. And, and, man, the whole time he called us crazy. And you could tell it was a battle for him. He looks back at us and he goes, hey, fellas, you know what? I get it. I said, what's that? He goes, I get why y'all are so crazy. I said, well, why is that? He goes, you got Jesus, and you ain't afraid to die. And I thought to myself, well, if you would have said that out there, I might have been a little afraid to die. But, um, but yeah, you're true, right, right? You know, the truth is, is that when the waves and the storms of this life blow, I may not always smile. I may not always be the strongest, but deep down, Jesus is my joy. He's the source of my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, even when the unthinkable happens in life. I ran across a story that happened in Omaha, Nebraska, and a church of a certain denomination had met together at a large church in Omaha. Now, they were of a certain denomination that really weren't really keen on people, you know, being very expressive in worship or, or speaking out or shouting out. And, and so they just really weren't keen on that. Hey, by the way, here at Connect Church, shout as much as you want, clap as much as you want, get excited as much as we love it. But this denomination in particular didn't much want this. So here's what they did that day. They put a helium balloon in everybody's hand that attended the conference. 
And they simply said this, when you feel joy, release the balloon. Whether it's in worship or the preaching that day or in prayer, whenever you feel joy, you release the balloon. And you know what? All throughout that convention, here's what they saw. At different points in the worship, man, balloon after balloon going up in the air, and it was quite a sight to see. But here was something that really stole the show. At the end of the convention, the conference, here's what the organizers realized. Over a third of the Christians there were still holding their balloon. They're still holding their balloon. Singing about him, didn't let loose joy in their life. Hearing about him didn't let loose joy in their life. And a third of the people there had yet to let go of the balloon. I mean, I remember hearing that story. By the time I got to you, I was like, hey, beloved, hey, believer, let go of your balloon. And yet still a third of them were holding on to it. Let me ask you something, believer. Why are you still holding on to your balloon? For some of you, You have faced the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the unwanted in your life. And what you've done is is you've done this. And I just can't let it go. I can't let loose joy in my life. It hurts too much. The message of, of Paul here to the Philippian church who had known a lot of that hurt as well, who had faced the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the unwanted, was, hey, church, rejoice. In the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. You know what he's saying? Hey, hey, church, let go of the balloon. Let loose the joy in your life. Even when the unthinkable happens. I don't know your story all the way. But if you're anything like me, there's a lot of times I find myself like this. Just holding on. Just not willing, really, to let loose the joy of Jesus in my life. The message of the gospel that lives in you through Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord. You ready? Let go of the balloon and let loose the joy of Jesus in your life. You know, today we got some imagery from thermostats to thermometers to talking birds to catching a lot of fish. I want you to hear me. And I, I just I don't know that I can let go of the balloon. I just don't know that really I can let loose the joy of Jesus in my life. How do I do it? Stay connected to the source of unstoppable joy. And that's Jesus. That means, hey, listen, daily walking with Jesus. Hey, don't expect joy if your Bible's closed every day. Hey, don't expect joy if you're not talking with Him every day. Don't expect joy if you're not living out your faith every day. Don't expect joy if you're keeping the gospel in just for yourself. Don't expect joy if you're living out in sin. But hear me, letting loose of the joy of Jesus means that we walk with Jesus every day. We open our Bibles even when it hurts. We talk with Him even though we feel sometimes He may not be listening. We gather together as church together. We live out our faith. We share the gospel. We live in Christ and we don't live in sin. Hey, hey, believer, you want an unstoppable joy? Stay connected to the source. 
of unstoppable joy of Jesus. And last, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Joy is a choice. Every day choose joy. You don't have to always rejoice in everything. But believer, choose to rejoice in the Lord always as he works for his glory and for your good. You ready? Let go of the balloon and let loose joy even when you don't have the answers. Even when it seems as God does something you don't want him to do. Even when you don't feel anything inside. Hey, even though you can't figure out what God is up to, even though sometimes you disagree with what he's doing, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord's near. Let loose joy, the joy of Jesus in your life. Believer, let go of the balloon. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. And by all means, stay connected to the source of unstoppable joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray together, Kim. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.